Hello, friends. Welcome to the Mobile Manga Podcast. I'm Janae Muha, your host. Last year, one month into the pandemic, I reached out to cheesemakers from across the country to hear how the pandemic was affecting them. The issues these cheesemakers faced were numerous. A loss of 70% of sales due to restaurant closures, herds being sold off, and even cheese being put in refrigeration to slow the aging process. Every cheesemaker's need was different, so we discussed the ways that we could help them move forward. Here we are a year later, and it's time to revisit these conversations. My first guest is Tom Perry from Shelburne Farms. Shelburne Farms is a nonprofit in Vermont that focuses on education to inspire sustainability in future generations. Based on Abenaki land, this 1,400-acre working farm produces a variety of products, namely cheddar, maple syrup, and produce. These products help them work towards their vision of a just world rooted in stewardship and community. With in-person learning on the back burner due to COVID, how has Shelburne Farms been able to continue towards that vision? Let's check in with Tom to find out. So my name is Tom Perry. I'm the cheese sales manager for Shelburne Farms. We're a um, cheese producer in northwestern Vermont. Uh, in addition to making cheese, we're also known as a uh, sustainability education foundation. Um, and one of the great things that ties both the cheese and the education together is that we use the cheese as an example of how to promote value-added agriculture and uh, sustainability practices at the same time. And what kind of cheese do you make? Uh, we make cheddar, cheddar, and cheddar, as I like to say. Uh, and what I mean by that is every day we're just making cheddar. Um, and the day after we make it, we run a battery of tests on it to determine how long it has the capability of aging for. And that's anywhere from six months to three years are what we have as common age profiles. So take us back to this time last year. Where, what happened? How did, how were your sales affected? Like, Basically, a month into the pandemic, what did Shelburne Farms look like? So last year around this time, probably around this time at the end of April, things were starting to spring back. Um, that month previous, um, from the middle of March to about the middle of April, was almost eerie radio silence. Um, I actively had to call um, my dis distribution and wholesale partners uh, to let them know that we were still open and still selling cheese. And when I did make that announcement, that did turn things around um, in terms of ordering, but people were still very skittish about how much they were going to order. They didn't know what mandates were going to start coming down. And um they were they were very conservative in uh the, their ordering I, I actually looked at our sales for last year around this time and right now our whole just our distributor channel alone is equal to what we did for both wholesale and distribution last year at this time um so that's uh that's a pretty marked change um and um, the one thing that I did also do when I let them know that we were open, I also let them know that we had prepackaged pieces available and that made all the difference. Right. 
Uh, and you guys were still producing through that entire month too. You were making cheddar every day or did you guys kind of put a pause on some of the making? So when it, when the pandemic started in March, it actually came at an eerily good time for us because we were just starting to conclude our calving season, uh, which the dairy times for mid March or March to uh, as a whole, but the majority is done by by mid March. So as the pandemic was starting, we were just coming out of our break, which we're actually taking right now this year, uh, because we don't have to be aligned with any opening pressures. Uh, we usually have like uh, uh, kind of a parade of the cows going out onto pasture the first week of of May. And we're not doing that this year. Uh, so so um, be, because of the calving schedule last year, we were already on like a shortened make schedule. Uh, we were only making uh, three days out of the week or, or something like that, three or four days out of the week because there was uh, just so much colostrum uh, mixing in or, uh, that was part of the milk makeup. And, you know, that was getting diverted to the calves. And it's also not suitable uh, or not the best milk for, for, for making cheese anyhow. So that was one situation where, you know, yes, we were continuing, but, and in theory it was affecting operations, but it was what we were anticipating anyhow. Um, and it, once we did get past that, like kind of glut of uh, colostrum, we still we we did start to adjust the schedule so that we were making still only four days a week and that was you know to kind of have two teams two battery teams uh, of cheese makers um that would kind of be their own individual bubble and as we learned more about the virus we were able to kind of coalesce into a unified team and um you know make, make go back to making cheese seven days a week so last year during summertime, um, the Northeast, like New York and whatnot was really hit. Um, how did you see that affect what you guys did up in Vermont? Vermont's pretty like secluded, but I'm sure that there was, well, some Vermont runoff. was a bubble. Vermont was a bubble. And like, um, as you know, I've told you in conversations that we've had privately, like I hear what you and our, our peers across the country um, have been going through and coping with this pandemic. And it just didn't hit here in Vermont the way that it did everywhere else. Um, during the summertime in particular, there were days when we had zero new cases um, added to the, the coronavirus totals. And um, so it was weird be, be, because like, you know, I'd talked with customers down in New York City and they'd talk about the constant dirge of ambulances driving by 24 hours a day. And they all knew where they, where they were going and they all knew why they were going. Um, and we didn't have that. It, it, it was like this Shangri-La. Uh, what we did get was we got a lot of people from New York, Boston, Connecticut that did come up um, and, and used Vermont basically as a pandemic refuge. Um, and it's great because it, it turns out we gained about 28,000 people according to the census. Um, and I would attribute that just to last year alone. Wow. Uh, like um, 
And um, so, but, you know, that had an effect on our tourist economy. We, we are basically uh, a, a vassal state to, you know, Boston, Southern New England and New York, New Jersey and the Mid-Atlantic. And, you know, that impacted the, the, the tourist dollars, which in turn affect supply chain. And while we were still continuing to sell these prepackaged half pound pieces, our bulk sales just dropped like a stone. Um, when in the past, they made up the majority of our sale. And then also because Shelburne is on Lake Champlain, um, that affected your tourists just from like what would normally come and visit you guys during the summer, right? Correct. So um, in addition to the education and the cheese making and the working farm, we also have an inn. Um, Shelburne Farms used to be a, a Vanderbilt summer estate. Um, and their direct descendants are actually part of our leadership uh, to this day. Um, and, you know, they are the ones that advocated for educating uh, about sustainability and environmental um, progressivism and, you know, agricultural sustainability. So, um, but uh, we do have an inn um, that you can stay at, has a farm to table restaurant. Um, and that was shut down for the entire year. Um, as things kind of got around a bend, we do have some, we call them like cottages, but they're essentially houses that were built on the property in the 1980s um, as part of an initial fundraising campaign for the farm. And um, as, those residents have either passed on or they've sold their interest. The farm has right of first refusal on all of those properties. And we've been buying them back uh, through, through grants and fundraising so that um, we can use them for people to use as retreats uh, for educational purposes, or if families want to rent them for a week, you know, to, to stay on the farm. And that's what we primarily did with the properties uh, last summer. And we're continuing that through, uh, this year as well. The inn as it is, is not open as it normally would be. Um, we did have a benefactor that stayed with us uh, all summer. It was just him and his family. And, you know, the, the, they had the means to, to do it. Um, and it, it did help with our budget shortfall, but it was nowhere near the, the, the same amount of revenue that we would have got had the inn been open. Um, however, that what we didn't earn in revenue was offset by the labor costs that we didn't have to uh, pay because you know we, we were basically running only with our year-round staff. Uh, normally during the summer, we hire about 300 people uh, become part of the team, uh, whether that be in the kitchen and in buildings and grounds uh, as part of the maintenance team, as part of housekeeping um, and uh, educators in the, in the farmyard. And we just, and tour guides, and we, we didn't need them last year. Uh, we did remain open so that people could walk the trails um, and enjoy the property. Uh, and that was something that we were doing more to support our local community, um, but we, we weren't charging. Uh, we would normally charge I believe it's uh, $8 for an adult admission and like $5 for children. And we weren't charging that. So there was a shortfall in that as well. And then another thing that's tied into that is our welcome center slash farm store. And that actually did pretty well. We started selling food that would have been served 
um, at the inn um, through our welcome center for uh, meal replacements uh, that people could uh, take and uh, heat up at home. Uh, and we were using primarily produce that was grown on the farm. Um, and we were selling that produce also through the farm store. So e even though it did affect our, 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 our tourism uh, economy and, and budget, it did allow for us to get creative. And that's something that I've just observed wholesale throughout our industry is if you wanted to be creative and you wanted to continue progressing with your business in whatever shape or form you needed it to take, you, you could make a pretty good go at it. That was actually going to be my next question. Like what uh, innovations did you guys put into place that you felt were successful um, outside of that with like the cheese side of things? Like what really worked for you guys last year? Um, for, for us, what really worked was having a lot of the infrastructure already in place to um, be a successful mail order operation. Um, as I think everybody's aware, a lot of people turn to online shopping or supporting the businesses and uh, producers that they care about. Um, and we were definitely a beneficiary of that. And through the past 30 some odd years, if not more, you know, we built a very robust and loyal following uh, for the farm and the products that we make here. And every holiday season, we ship about 4,000 packages nationwide for the holidays, just in the month of, uh, from late November through, through the end of December. And, you know, that, 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 that's a pretty good, uh, you know, economic boom uh, for us uh, every year. And it's something that we get ready for. Um, it was like that from basically end of March through the end of last year. Um, th there were days in April when we, we would be shipping out 100 to 150 orders, which is something that usually doesn't happen until the last week of November. And it was great. It was very gratifying. Um, people definitely used the, the gifts and, and the, 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 the uh, value-added foods that we produce at the farm, whether it be syrup or, or cheese, you know, as a way to connect with loved ones and friends that they had shared experiences at the farm when they were like, oh, we can't be at the farm this year, have some cheese. And that, that was awesome. It was really great to like read some of these messages from people uh, as they were going across the country. Um, they're also used as, you know, uh, packages to express condolences for people that did die during the pandemic. Um, so uh, it, it was kind of a two-sided double-edged sword, I guess, might be the best way to say it. What we did in addition to, you know, more robust mail order sales, we, in terms of our education, which is very much a place-based education, and I believe you visited the farm, you know, it's, it's this beautiful property, you know, landscape designed by Frederick Law Olmsted, who designed Central Park and, you know, some of uh, the, the, the graveyards in Boston and the Emerald Necklace and what have you, uh, among other things. And, you know, it, it's just breathtaking. Uh, the place where I work looks like a castle. You know, a lot of people it's the call Hogwarts it the Hogwarts of cheese. Hogwarts yeah. of cheese. Exactly. 100%. Yep. And, um, you know, that, that, that's just impressive in its own right. People have a very visceral or, or, or like strong attachment to, to the landscape. And, and uh, especially if they come for educational purposes. So we were actually 
creating digital content for our education uh, team to, well, they created it. I had nothing to do. Um, I want to make that very clear. They, we were able to continue our sustainability education focused mission and keep that going, even though it was not in the, you know, tangible connected way that we normally would like to do it. I worked very closely with our market garden team to determine what a fair price for the produce we would sell uh, through the Welcome Center. I, I went to a bunch of the co-ops and farm stands around uh, Chittenden County and, and uh, Addison County to get pricing on what organic Swiss chard sells for, which was really interesting. And I'm glad we have all that information from last year because that means I don't have to do it this year. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, the farmer's market was really interesting. We participated in the farmer's market. There were very strict rules. Uh, there were no samples. Usually our, our table will be mobbed with you know, children, uh, people from Canada, regular customers, just poking their toothpick in and taking samples and, and talking with us, gone. Like it was, it was very perfunctory and it was like, I would like some cheese. Thank you. Bye-bye. Which was kind of a downer, but I get it. You know, we were happy to see people and we were happy that they were supporting local agriculture. But I, I think that there was a broader understanding here in Vermont that, you know, keep things short keep things safe and yeah. you know that that really helped but as i mentioned pr pr previously you know doing the value-added meals from, from the inn and really helped with, with, with kind of expanding um our reach uh, in, in terms of innovation so going into the holidays last year how were you feeling and then how did it kind of all pan out like how did you feel before the holidays and how did it all kind of square out trepidatious I was worried that because uh, I think we can all recall, as we were entering October, things were still kind kind of good. And then, you know, you have to plan for this stuff for the holidays in September. So I'm putting in commitments for, you know, 1,300 hams and like 6,000 pieces, pounds of bacon and, you know, 1,500 kielbasa. Like, you're just sort of like, are people going to buy this? Or like, now that things have gotten big air quotes better, are they going to want to go to the stores and shop in person because they've been denied this tactile experience for so long? And then, <laughs> and then the pandemic came roaring back with a vengeance. We did 50% more in mail order than we did the year previous. So uh, as I was saying, we, we ship out about like 5,000 packages for the holidays. We did about 7,000, 7,500 easily. And like, it just didn't stop. And, and we're grateful for that. You know, I, I was really worried because it got off to a real slow start. Um, but once, once it started, it just kept on going. Um, and it didn't end until about the first week or the second week of, of January. That's awesome. Um, there was also, uh, uh, there was also like kind of a revived um, buying on the wholesale and distribution side of things too. I, I want to make clear that we, even though we had an amazing mail order season, we, we had a, you know, pretty sustained, well-sustained uh, purchasing from our distribution and wholesale partners. So it sounds like you guys had a really good community support almost all year last year. Do you feel like the community kind of really came out and 
showed their love to Shelburne Farms? They did, um, you know, and not only, you know, our immediate community and, and, and Vermont, but, you know, na- nationwide. And, and I don't know if it's because people were taking more time to really investigate what they're consuming or whether it was because we already did have that ready to go pre-cut option where it was sort of like, okay, I'm familiar with this producer. I don't have the labor or, or the team to break it down, but here it is, it's ready to go and it will sell. It also helped massively that we, as I say, we just make cheddar. Cheddar sales, mozzarella sales, you know, they, they, they went through the roof last year. Um, and, it, and cheddar is just very comforting. You know, I, I don't have to explain cheddar when I go out on a sales call. Um, everybody has an opinion. Like, like, even though there are, you know, slight regional variations between, you know, Vermont cheddar, Wisconsin cheddar, English cheddar, West Coast cheddar, you know, it, it, you don't have to think too hard. It's like, oh, this is good. This is familiar. I like it. Right. Get some cheddar. <laughs> um, but, but yes, absolutely. We, we, we are very fortunate that we have the community that are supporters of Shelburne Farms, uh, both in terms of, you know, individual consumers, but also wholesale and distribution partners, you know, that, that, that you can't have this in a bubble. You can't just have this in one channel. You, you, you do need that support on all levels. Um, and, and, you know, you make it have your margin sausage, uh, as it were. A margin sausage? I've never heard of that, but... Oh. Well, you know, it's like, it's like blended margin, you know. Okay, I got that. I was thinking more like a burger, but, you know, but. Oh, okay, right, right, right. Sausage, I like that. That yeah, makes yeah. blended, okay, I get it. So how are you guys looking now? Like, what is, what's on the scene for this year? Like, how are you feeling about this year? I know you're kind of on your calving break-ish, but how are you feeling going into the summer? Based off of. So I've gotten fully vaccinated and I've started looking into vacations, like, like just a little quick getaway uh, with me and my partner. And we tried to book something in Lake Placid and it was booked solid. It was sold out. Um, and then something opened up and we we're like, we're going. Yeah. So America is ready to travel. There is going to be a retail flurry Supposing we don't have another, you know, wave uh, of this or, or something come creeping up to screw everything up. If you have, if you have something, people will buy it, and people will come, and people will spend their money because I don't know what to compare it to. But like, it's just all this pent up late stage capitalism. It's um, <laughs> just waiting to be unleashed upon the landscape no matter where you are we'll see how that goes we are starting to see an uptick in bulk pieces um that was not has not been there for the past year so that is leading me to believe that you know restaurants are beginning to open up uh people are preparing for you know bulk sales on cheese counters etc but uh, the farm is taking a slightly more conservative approach and we are uh, not opening the in again this season we're, we're not charging admission uh, we're going to review on farm activities because we do 
you know, like day classes that are primarily outside. And we may investigate doing that later in the season, but that's still being discussed by leadership. People are still welcome to come and walk the trails and, you know, in, in, engage with the landscape. But, you know, for the most part, the farm is still closed off. It, it, it was really eerie last year. It, I've gotten more used to it, but it, it's still weird that, like, there isn't the usual noises associated with springtime and, you know, children, you know, running in the courtyard, you know, from field trips and, you know, the halls being filled with educators and coworkers. It's, it, it's, it, it's great that I kind of, you know, have the farm almost to myself, but it, it's also kind of, you know, sad because, you know, it, it is such a collaborative atmosphere. Right. It's probably going to be weird when it all does start coming back because then you're like, wait a minute, where did all these people come from? Right, right. <laughs> like, why are you here? <laughs> it, it, it will be weird just because I think there's going to be a readjustment period of people just being together, you know, or, or being close to one another. Right. you know or, 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 or sharing with... a cheese plate together or anything like that like i feel like yeah. there's going to be there's going to be some mental blockage of just like i need my own personal plate thank you <laughs> right so it kind of sounds like things at shelburne are much like i figure the rest of things are going to be that this year is almost still kind of another wash of like we're not going to be fully open for a lot of things but the like small signs of normalcy will kind of come back in. Do you guys, do you think that there's still going to be a big push for mail order this holiday season too? Or do you feel like people are going to be more into going into stores? Like, I mean, it's so hard to tell because that's like months away still, but like, do you have any thoughts about that? I think that we will see not the same numbers as last year. I mean, I think last year was like a once- in a lifetime or hopefully you know crossing fingers knocking on wood kind of experience where you know people were unable to get together but they wanted to show that they cared and with the gift of cheese and um i think that there will still be heightened interest because i'll, I'll be frank you know a, a number of the supporters that we've garnered over the past 40 years are getting a little older and you know, they, they may have health issues that would preclude them from visiting us during this time anyways. And, you know, they, they might, or, or loved ones, you know, even after vaccinations uh, are, are, more, uh, are more widespread throughout the country. And it's, you know, there, there's still going to be some of that sale, but probably not as high as it was last year. Probably somewhere between 2019 and, or yeah 2019 and 2020 sorry um in, in terms of sales um and we're, we're starting to see our mail order levels kind of like kind of level off but they're they're still stronger than they were in pre-pandemic years um, so uh but going into the holidays i don't know like, like I, I i want there to be a strong mail order season because that is partly how we generate a fair bit of our revenue um, but you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there is more of a return to just buying in person retail. It all depends on how we all do in terms of reining this virus in. 
And I think right now it's just a little too soon to tell. Yeah. Uh, you know, you see what's happening in India. You, you see what's happening in Michigan. You know, even places that, even here in Vermont, like things got really bad uh, once we entered the new year. You know, we were under 3,000 cases as we entered the new year. And now we're up to like, you know, 22,000. You know, we attribute that primarily to the British variant because, you know, it, it, it's so much more communicable. And so, I mean, we, we've all got to continue to do our part to keep this in check if you want to go back to normal. Right. Uh, and, you know, I know I'm preaching to the choir here and probably anybody that's going to be listening, they probably agree with that statement, but there are a lot of people where they're still not getting it. So, yeah. Yeah. I actually, uh, the cases in King County have been here in Seattle have been not super bad, but they have threatened to knock us down to the, cause we're in like phase three where our restaurants are half open they're threatening to knock us down another phase because things are getting a little out of control. But then at the same time, I just read an article today that the big vaccination sites have like thousands of vaccines that they want people to come and take. And they're not, it was like so hard for people to get an appointment. It took me, I mean, for me and my husband to get vaccines, it was hard to get an appointment. And now it's like, they're basically just like ready to take them. Vaccinate. <laughs> Give us your arm. <laughs> right. Oh, fun stuff. But, yeah, that got off topic and a little dark, but it's all right. <laughs> that's what I'm here for. Uh, yeah, it's what we do. So, yeah. is there anything else about Shelburne that you'd like to add? Things that we didn't touch on that you feel is important, um, like of what you guys went through for the last year? I would say to anybody that, you know, I don't want to make it sound like we don't want you here. We do want you here. We do want you to enjoy the property, but just keep in mind that it's not going to be the same as you might have expected. Um, there will be cows, but you won't be able to pet them. Um, and, you know, the, the, there will be the beautiful landscape in the building, uh, but you might not be able to go inside them. We, we would love to see you. We would love to have you experience, you know, the property and then, you know, hopefully once we're past this, hopefully later this year or, you know, sometime next year, hopefully you'll come back for the full uh, Monty, so to speak, uh, uh, of the Shelburne Farms experience. And we hope to host the Cheesemakers Festival again. If you are one of those people that are more interested in learning about what, what you know, conscious food production uh, can be, um, and actions you can take. We have a number of resources uh, on our website that you can download and use to educate yourself or your community. Um, I think when people think about sustainability, they think it's like, you know, a, a zero sum game and like they've got to make a complete lifestyle change or it's not going to work. But it's really just incremental changes that each of us make. And, you know, as all those drops fill the bucket, uh, we, 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 we nourish a better world. So where can people find you? We are in lots of places and also not in lots of places. <laughs> uh, we have a very strong presence, uh, in Vermont and, uh, New England and Northeast. Um, we've got some presence down in the South, uh, down in Alabama, Tennessee, Georgia way. Um, out in the Midwest, uh, up in the Twin Cities in Chicago. 
um, where else? Down all, all up and down California, um, and uh, in the Pacific Northwest, uh, in, in Seattle. So, and we are, as I have mentioned, available to ship anything that you might want from us nationwide by visiting our website or giving us a call. Do you want to give the website? Sure. It's uh, www.shelburnefarms.org. And there you have it. This Vermont institution has been able to stay afloat with the help of community, innovation, and long-standing relationships. I firmly believe that these things will continue to serve them well as we move forward into the next phase of this pandemic. Big thanks to Tom Perry for joining me on this first episode of the podcast and telling the story of Shelburne Farms. This podcast is recorded, produced, and edited by me, Janae Muha, with a supporting feature role by my husband, Ben Muha, contributing on editing and music. Get in touch. You can find me at themobilemonger.com, Instagram, or Facebook at themobilemonger. For cool extras and to financially support the continuation of this podcast, please consider contributing to my Patreon. There you will find the full video recording of the conversation, discount codes for merch at my online shop, get a sneak peek at the next guest, and even submit questions for future episodes. Let's keep spreading the word of good curd.